Andrew is the Aussie bloke living in the U.S. Heather is the American gal living in Australia. Together, they travel the world sharing strategies on how to put your business on autopilot. Doing business online is no longer about having a website. To get more clients and take care of the ones you have, you will need a map. They've got it. So sit back and relax and welcome aboard. This flight is bound to autopilot your business. On today's podcast, we're going to have a very special guest who gets over 6,000 hits to his website every single day. Have you picked up our online survival guide yet? Get prepped for the future of online marketing by going to www.aybguide.com. Hey, this is podcast number 48. My name is Andrew McCauley. Welcome to our podcast. Very excited today because we have another special a, a special guest for this episode. And I'm going to introduce Heather Porter, of course. Hey, H, how you doing? Hey, Andrew, I'm doing good, but probably a lot better than you by the sounds of your sexy head cold voice. I know, don't you love it? You know, I've been speaking, uh, I've been speaking a whole bunch of events lately, and I was at an event last night, and I'm halfway through it, and I could feel this throat thing coming on. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not going to get through the rest of the night. But <laughs> I finally did, but woke up this morning with this sexy, husky voice, and I just can't get rid of it. So I thought I'd share it with everybody today. Lovely. Well, thanks for um, pulling yourself up and scraping yourself off and being here for all of us and our incredibly special guest who's joining us. Now, um, shall I introduce who it is? I think we should, but before we do that, this special Hmm. guest um, uh, has... A very very popular website. We're gonna we're gonna reveal that very soon. But one of the reasons yeah. we wanted this person on our on our program is to really dissect how do you get that many visits per day and what sort of uh, what sort of information is he getting out there for people that really want to know this info. So let's go ahead and introduce him. Okay, so there is a website called thecoolestguidesontheplanet.com. Coolest guides, like as in you know learning a guide guide on the planet.com and it's a site created by uh, somebody named Neil G and for for the couple last couple of years he's been building it up as quite the resource for techs and techie people all over the world to come and and learn all m- amazing things about Macs and computers and I'll let him explain that more in a second but uh, what's amazing is that he's managed to get incredible sites linking back to his site, his great content on there, and he's has a whole little strategy that he can share with us today. We thought that that would be really valuable, not only for us to dissect, because we love learning from our guests, but also for you guys listening. And what's pretty cool, as we introduce him here in a moment, uh, we, we always start our shows off with what we've learned this last week, and we thought we'd actually throw him into the mix, too, and have him share what he's learned with you guys, too, in his business. Yes, yes, yes. So, um... We're going to introduce him now, or you want to wait till we'll... Let's do it. So, welcome to the mic, to the podcast, Neil G. Hello. How are you guys doing? Hey, Neil. It's great to have you on the show. It's awesome that you're uh, part of the show. I know that... um, I think you've heard our show once or twice before, so it's good that you've uh, jumped on in front of the microphone, and and, uh, I'm looking forward to asking you a few questions about what you do and how you do it, because it's uh, pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, no, this is this is the first time for me, so it's exciting, and it's nice to be called special so many times. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, before we get get cracking, H, what did you learn this week? <laughs> Very good question. Okay, so what I learned this week was the importance of having control 
over the platforms that you use in your business online. And I say that because of two things. First thing, I had a meeting earlier this week with um, one of the heads of a business that's tendering for different uh, digital agencies to come on board and um, you know build up their digital brand. And she's really confused and frustrated and she's saying, you know, I, it's so confusing. I feel like people are trying to rope me into their own systems and we call those proprietary systems. So that's essentially the whole, you pay a fee every month to use somebody else's platform. Um, which is always why we say use WordPress and open source things like that because the second you get roped into one of these these contracts or these deals, granted they might have a great service, but you're stuck, you're married, you're tied to them. So she was just talking about that and how you know she's trying to work out how many people she should have working on the project. And that brings me to my second point. So for those of you that have been checking out the whole Obamacare and the launch of a new um, government health website in America, there were something like 67 providers, uh, all you know, outsourced that were building this site. 67. Imagine that. All of them trying to communicate together. So of course it massively flopped. The whole thing didn't even really get off the ground and crashed before it could even launch. And that again comes down to the second point of, of I'm not having control over the whole situation and, and probably having vendors come in and try and tell them what they need, not play nice together in the sandbox and then they have this huge project that's a flop. So what I learned have control and don't be overwhelmed with your own systems and your business and online marketing. And if you start to get overwhelmed and feel like you're being taken for a ride, you might be. <laughs> so thank you, Andrew. What did you learn? Just a side note on that. You know, Saturday Night Live over here is a very popular comedy show. And I think the week before this whole website was launched, they did a skit and they said, <laughs> a massive amount of work has gone into it and only six people turned up. And funnily enough, that's exactly how many people registered or could actually get the site to work the day it was launched. So um, that itself became news over here too. So uh, it was very, very funny. Mm. Yes, yes. So um, I'll tell you what I learned this week. I, uh, I've been using a site for a while called SlideShare. And SlideShare is a site where you can upload different slides. You know, I've used it to look at other people's presentations. If you've ever done a presentation on a PowerPoint, you can upload it there. And uh, I've always looked at it. I've looked at people's presentations. I've never actually used it to upload my own presentations. And I finally did last week. I thought, oh, I'll, I'll upload this presentation. I just want to see what sort of um, results I get. And, you know, within, a, within five days, I'd had 40-odd views of my presentation. And I thought, that's pretty good, because I'd never even told anybody about it. I never mentioned that I was putting a SlideShare up there at all. I never um, announced the fact. And I thought, wow, 40 views for a SlideShare that I wasn't even... I was just putting up there just as a test. And I thought, wow, this could be a really good source of traffic. So SlideShare okay. was my new, my new tool that I learned this week that I'm going to use a lot more from, from, from now on. Good one. Thanks for sharing that little traffic Tip, I've, I've checked out presentations on that myself, and I know we've also used it um, to embed presentations inside of our magazine and online footprint as well, so it's a good little good little tool. It is, it is. All right. Neil, now, what did you learn Neil. this week? Let's start off with, what did you learn, and then you can tell us what we're going to learn this week. <laughs> I think I learned this week not to ever be a project manager for an American government. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, I think that might have been the problem, though, that actually wasn't the project manager, you know, it was... Nobody wants to take responsibility holistically, so you've got 67 different vendors and it's a nightmare. So, 
what I learned this week was something that is happening or starting to happen quite a lot at the moment is that Coca-Cola came out and they said made an announcement saying the corporate corporate website is dead. Long live the corporate website. So what they're going through at the moment is they're changing their structure on um, their, their main homepage and just involving so much more content that they previously had, which is updated on a daily basis. Wow. And if you you get a chance to look at it, the, ma- the main actual, because there's lots of Coca-Cola websites, but the main one is the um, coca-colacompany.com. Mm-hmm. And it's got videos, stories, opinions, brands, and it changes every day. So that what they've done now is they've brought in a whole new editorial team that basically run it similar to how like a Wall Street Journal or a newspaper um, website will appear. And the reason why they're doing this is to keep up to date with the latest um, Google algorithms and search engine results. You can't have a you can't have a stale corporate website anymore because it's not going to work in the current day and age. You need to keep your content uh, consistently changing and evolving around your brand. So. Uh, if you even even Google the the words um, to get the full story, you know Coca Cola thinks the um, corporate website is dead. You'll see a couple of articles about it, and then have a look at the the new site. And I think a lot of corporates are going to have to look at this and bring in editorial teams to to change their information how it goes out there. Well, I'm sorry, I'm so glad you brought that up because you know we've been talking about content for for a couple of years now, <laughs> and. Uh, and we're finally seeing some progressive businesses, uh, you know, jump on the content bandwagon. But to see a, a powerhouse like Coca-Cola do that, um, it just really proves that they're going to—they're obviously spending a lot of money to, to to do this change, and they see the benefit of it. Um, and I'm sure, as you said, there's going to be other companies that start to see the value of content. You know, I think the world's changing pretty quickly, and uh, good to see these big companies like Coca-Cola jumping on board that way too. It is. I, I think um, the success online ultimately comes down to the conversation that you have with your followers and you can't have a conversation unless you have good content that's constantly happening. So this is this is a big one. This is quite exciting and yeah. again, Andrew, you suggested it's just backing what we've been saying for a long time. Yep, definitely. Now, that's great, Neil. I'm glad you learned that but let's let's share with the listeners a little bit about you, about your, about your background. Um, how did you get into this sort of stuff and uh, and why you developed this awesome website that you've got? Okay, um, I'll take it a step step back at the beginning, kind of. Um, uh, my background is in publishing, just talking about editorial and publishing, on the advertising side and also for advertising agencies. Um, and then I got interested more in the, the digital space and the IT space. Um, and you know, I, I got quite intrigued by how search engines work and wanted to know how you could manipulate them, as you could well do not so long ago. And you know, I was quite interested in SEO, and I, a few names came up that are in the industry. People like uh, James Franco, Jonathan Leger, who I, I call Ledger for some reason, um, Brad Fallon, and Mike Filsamane or Filsame. 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 They, they used to run a competition years ago called the Coolest Guy on the Planet, and that the idea was who could rank to number one for those keywords. And, uh, you know, I found, I found it, I don't know why, I just found it fascinating and I, I wanted to join in that that thing as well. I, even though they had done it years before, they were still ranking, I think Jonathan Liga was number one in in Yahoo being and, and Google in, and it was that way, it was the same top ten and I was thinking, how are these guys doing it? You know, I, I must learn how to do it. So. Um, 
you know, back then it really was backlinks. For, they were getting backlinks from Poppy Dog training sites, which was totally irrelevant. So that showed me that how you could manipulate. And um, I, I tried to do it, and it was it was very tough to get to number one. And um, I, I couldn't do it because I wasn't prepared to buy, you know, so many links to, to, to prove the point. But when the algorithm started to change, and then Google started to um, discount those links, my rank then went up. So, and my I, I really didn't do the website for that anymore. I started to blog about technical stuff and. I started getting hits based on on those things, and the traffic started to come in. And I, I basically found, you know, if you've got your market area and you can you can you know write pieces that are people are looking for, you will you will naturally start to flow with traffic. And this this goes back to your Coca Cola example, right? If if they're looking at creating content, that's the same sort of thing as what you've been doing for a while now. That, that's right. That's right. Exactly right. And then the more you know, unique editorial pieces you get out there that people are looking for, you will start to naturally build uh, a traffic flow. Other sites will start linking to you, and those are the sites that Google. I mean, backlinks are still a, a huge, important part of SEO. Mm-hmm. And I think what the difference is nowadays is that Google knows where the blog farms are or where you buy links. It knows exactly where they are and it discounts the importance of those links. So you might have 200 of those links coming from Poppy Dog Farms and you know various kind of bogus websites. They're not going to work. They're just going to be discredited. Mm. Uh, and the more quality links you get in from reputable sites will be beneficial and then your results will be pushed up in the rankings. Mm. Now, Neil, you were saying that you started with the coolest guy on the planet, but now you're not the coolest guy on the planet anymore in your domain. So how, talk a little bit about the evolution to your new domain and what's happened with that. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, I I didn't want to be known for that kind of competition anymore and um, because I'd proved the point and I I kind of still rank for number one on that anyway, even though the content isn't about that at all. I, I evolved because I wanted to, you know, well, what am I doing? I'm writing technical guides for IT and web development. So um, all I had, I just thought of it one morning. All I have to do is change guide to guides, <laughs> you know. So um, I did that and uh, just, just through straight kind of domain um, redirection, and uh, that was a new focus to then to go from an IT focus, web development focus to try and help people that are just starting out and give them good technical guides to set up the workflow. Right. So so what so what what got you into this sort of content? Like what's was there a market out there that was um, asking for it or you just decided that that was something you wanted to share with people whether they liked it or not? I think I think it's a bit of both. I mean, it's something that I do and when I was starting out, I found it difficult to get good information and you know, I'd get certain bits of information that are incorrect or inaccurate and got frustrated by it. So I thought, well, let me just create my own um, guides and technical references for my own reference and also for anybody that was interested in it. So, you know, I just forced it upon this is what I'm going to do, this is the direction I'm taking. And, um, you know, it, it's really nice then to get a whole bunch of other sites linking to you and giving you credit. And, um, you know, it's. Uh, the guides that I put out there, I, I thoroughly test and make sure they're working. And I use them just as much as anybody coming to the site. Oh, really? What I'd love to know is sort of 
almost like a step-by-step guide, for lack of a better word, for our listeners, for how you think about your content publishing creation. So literally, how often do you do it? And what steps do you go through to actually create and publish what you do? That's a good, that's a good question. Um, I like to keep up to speed with what's going on in the industry. So I might like a couple of topics. I will do a Twitter um, or a tweet, tweet feed on those through TweetDeck and see what's going on. And then if there's an important event coming up or there's going to be a change of, of your, um, your product or your, your business, um, which is going to be at an expo or some kind of change. So then you plan ahead and go, right, okay, I'll do a piece about on this editorial which is relevant to an announcement that's going to be made next month. And so you get your content ready, publish it, and then it will start to get linked to when the announcements are made, when the change happens, and you'll be at the forefront of what's going to happen. And then your piece might then, your, your published post or page, get picked up get referenced by and get links back to. So, you know, when I put a piece out there, I'm going to do the research, get my editorial ready, get my pictures, my images, my headlines. I work in WordPress, SEO plugin, um, and I, I will do a bit of research on what keywords uh, might, might do well using some of the Google tools and, uh, and just put my pieces out there. I don't, you know, I try and update it, you know, once once a week. Sometimes I might do three posts in the weekend and other times I might leave it for, for three weeks, but you've got to keep that content going. Hey, Neil, when, when you talk about content, um, and we often talk about finding your target market and getting the right content for the right um, audience and that sort of stuff, you know, um, obviously there's an audience for the content that you're delivering. If I go to your site and I'm looking at some of the, some of the posts you've got there, it's like, double dutch to me some of this stuff is so so techy for my head i'm like wow you know what's mysql and php and apache you know this sort of stuff it doesn't um it's it's look it's going over my head but obviously there's a there's a big market for this sort of stuff because a lot of people want to know this information so do you want to just talk about the importance of having the right content for your target market Sure. I mean, yeah, it is a technical website, um, but I do cater to all levels of people. So there are some pieces there that you'll look at and <laughs> have no idea what you're talking about. Uh-huh. Uh, but if you're starting out and you're trying to say, for instance, you know what WordPress is, you know what SEO is, and no doubt if you use those, you know that you have to have a good SEO plugin. Now, you can go and download that plugin in WordPress, that's easy and then look at configuration of that plugin and go, now I don't understand. So you might do a search and I have an article on, on WordPress and SEO and how to set it up properly. And I've, I've done it in a certain way where I'm catering to the novice. Mm-hmm. So you can look at that and go, okay, now I understand what the different sections mean, now I understand that I've got to put in these types of fields. Um, so that, that from that one end, and then I'll go, okay, how to set up a web development server locally, which you'd have no interest in, but yeah, somebody right. else would. You know, we've got a lot of young people starting in web development, and they want to you know, create their own environment locally as opposed to using a host, uh, hosting provider elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And the first stumbling block about setting things up is when it goes wrong, they might give up. You know? So if, if you've got a good article or guide, 
to show you how to set it up, then you can move on to the next stage. So I target different people at different levels. And I, you know, I've noticed that you get a lot of good comments, a lot of people really engaging with your articles. Talk about the engagement. How do you use social media and how do you use your comments on your site and what comment platform do you use yeah. as well? Okay, well, the one I use, I mean, I use Discus. Uh, I like Discus. It's easy. It's, you can log on, manage your, your comments from there, set up moderation. You can edit comments if people try and put in sneaky links and that type of stuff. <laughs> um, you know, I and I, I engage people. If, if somebody asks me a question, I will try and answer it. Um, or if they pay me a compliment, I'll return a compliment. Um, and I try and engage people like that. Um, and I think comments are very, very healthy for for your websites. It's good to get that that dialogue going. Um, and with regard to social media, I'm really only interested in um, Facebook. Twitter and Google Plus. I don't. I don't spend time in the other ones. I think that there are too many, and you should really just pick your battles. The ones that you want to learn and do and engage with, use those. Don't worry about all the rest of them. Um, for me, Twitter is is very important, um, and Facebook second, Google third. I for Google, uh, the Google Plus thing, I, in my mind, hasn't really taken off. Um, as much as Google would have wanted it to, but what is important is setting up for Google the authorship. So you you verify you as an author on your website, and then you can even get your little picture of you put in to the search results. And I, I think that's important. I've done that. My picture comes up on different search results, and it gives an audience a sense of you know engagement with you. They know who you are. There's your picture, and they know if they've gone to your site before and they've got a good result. And they see it again, they might click on it more more times than not. So, those are the three ones that I, I concentrate on. If somebody wants to do authorship, how do they how do they get that set up? How do they set uh, authorship? Is that they have to create a um, Google account, and then they go into the Google Plus side of it, um, fill in a certain number of fields, and then in that configuration area, you then can link certain blog sites or, or your own websites to your to your profile. And then once you've done that link, you take the profile ID, I think there's a meta tag that you then insert into your website, either through a plugin or through the code. Um, but you'll find instructions on how to do that via, via Google. And then once you make that link, then any results are displayed uh, and it's got your author profile on your website, Google might choose to show your picture. So, And that could work as well if you're a guest author or a blogger for a different website, you could ask the, uh, the website owner, could you please include my Google Plus profile? So it gives you, gives you more coverage. Hey, um, Neil, I want to swap uh, directions a little bit. And recently we had uh, over here in the States, and I think it affected everywhere in the world, um, HostGator and a whole bunch of other hosting companies <laughs> go down and all these people are up in arms because their website suddenly crashed and that sort of stuff. I um, just want to talk a little bit about hosting because I know you're really into hosting sort of solutions and stuff like that. Um, you know, people are out there, we get a lot of people coming saying, oh, which is the best hosting solution should I use and that sort of stuff. And they, they're telling us that there's hosting solutions for $5 a month. And then there's other ones that are charging a lot more than $5 a month. What's some tips for people that are thinking about either starting up their own website as far as hosting goes? Um, or people that are thinking about changing services after a, another disaster from HostGator recently. Yeah, that, that was a, that was one that really bit. Um, you know, we I think we were lucky here because most of our websites, which were on HostGator, 
were kind of Australian based, so it happened during the night for us. So we were quite lucky. But I mean, obviously, other sites were out for four four hours. I believe the outage was for yeah, so yep. wasn't a problem at all. But that's one thing that's happening there at the moment is there's a big uh, big corporate company I think called EIG, and they're just buying up all the hosting companies. They've, they've bought Bluehost, Dreamhost, and Hostgator, and one more. And uh, you know they're trying to consolidate their infrastructure. So by doing that, there's going to be outages and downtime and excuses made. So it's it's a difficult one. I, I guess the key thing is you get what you pay for. So so let's touch on that. What what do you like? What do you get for five dollars a month? What do you get that's different than say fifty dollars a month or some other some other expensive solution? Well, the key thing is I think if you're if you're you know, paying five dollars a month, you're sharing a server with possibly you know three hundred other websites. So, if one of those websites has a script that just takes over, gets out of control, or gets too much traffic, you're going to suffer because you're all really running on the same computer. And if one starts to take over the resources, you will be affected by it. Um, like the problem with Hostgator, what's happened there now? It's still not over. I mean. We had a dedicated server, so our server came back online and everything was good. The people that had shared hosting are still having problems with the databases not being synced and not coming back to life properly, and they were having WordPress errors. So if you shared hosting comes all these issues where you've got to contend for resources, you're running off the same box, and um, your, your bandwidth and, and traffic will be... Um, you know, can be can be squeezed because other people are using it. So, the more you pay and the more resources you get, you're going to get a better performance. And then does that then that slows down the load times? Can slow down the load times of your website as well? Absolutely. I mean, if you've got 300 websites on the one server competing for the web server um, web server's time, it's got to serve each one of those websites. So, your load time could well be slower uh, because you've, you've got 199 other ones. Going at the same time. Mm. So, um, and, and I guess um, I can't remember H what what uh, episode we spoke about um, people leaving your site. You know when they get to a site and if it loads yeah. too long, it can be a real problem. And that's that's just another a way that a site can be really uh, taking a long time to load is having a shared hosting solution, right? Yeah, you know, and one other thing, Andrew, and you're right, we did talk about that. We talked about, I mean, if your site gets hacked or, you know, um, it goes down and you're in the middle of a, um, you know, you're running ads or you're talking about your site and it's not there, all these people, all this potential traffic, you're going to lose and they're never going to come back. So scrimping on something like hosting is really not a good idea because it is the foundation, as is your website, to your entire online presence. So. Why would you pay $5 and have a, a site which you could potentially get hacked every day or go down when you might pay, say, 30 to $60 a month and know that you have more of an airtight environment? Um, I'd love to hear Neil's thoughts, actually, on hacking because it's it's happening so much. And I'd love to know sort of how much is it actually happening and what does hacking mean yeah. and how are people getting into to websites nowadays? That's a good question. Um, I think, you know, with, with hacking... It's it's everywhere. It happens to everybody. Um, even the most you know secure systems are being hacked into, and credit cards are being accessed. And you know you hear it all the time. There's a group called Anonymous who are the the top level that that really go for the corporates. Um, but that's more of a glory type thing. And then lower down the scale, 
you've got the, what they call the script kiddies that basically download scripts written by other hackers and then run them. Um, one, one thing to know is that it's, it's not a personal thing. A lot of people get kind of upset when they get hacked and they think it's, you know, it's about them. It's not. It's an automated process where a script can, you know, try and connect to uh, thousands of web servers. And what they look for is an exploit in, in software which has been um, exposed. And um, how that ex how, how it is exposed is through people not updating their software. So, you know, you've got CMS systems like WordPress, Drupal and Joomla that are updated on a regular basis. And, and the reason why they're updated, one of the big reasons is for security. Uh, and that also happens on any plugins that you have in themes. You have to keep things up to date or otherwise you will get hacked. And that also goes for your, your hosting provider as well. If they don't keep their platform up to date, um, it's more than likely you, you, you will be already hacked and maybe don't even know about it. What's the, what's the point of these scripts? Like, why would someone do that? What's the, what do they get out of doing that? Well, and there, there is a commercial uh, gain here as well. What, one of the commercial gains is that the, the scripts can um, create an army of what they call uh, zombies, or a bot, it's called a botnet, a botnet of zombies. And these zombies are basically controlled by uh, an administrator and they can then use them for spam, um, you know, Viagra-type sites, that type of thing, um, cloaking search engine results and giving out false links and all sorts of things. So there's quite an actual advantage to commercially do this. Well. So what this means is that these hackers can essentially put up a Viagra web page on your website, but also use your website to send out Viagra emails as well. Is that right? Exactly. So if somebody does a search for, you know, cool cameras and up comes a camera website, but when you click on it, it goes to a Viagra website. You know, that's, that's manipulating your site via the server. So, and then they're trying to get sales, so that's where the commercial access comes into play. Mm. Most, you know, uh, and then you've got people that just do it maliciously uh, and try and do some damage to your site because they think it's fun. Uh, and that's, you know, those ones are more easily caught because you can, you can use certain tools to scan for, for malware files and malicious code. Wow. Now, Andrew, I'd love to know, like for those listening, Neil's advice to somebody that has a site and they now they really get the fact that they need to publish content ongoing. I'd love if you could provide our listeners with a few steps that somebody could take into in, account to improve the traffic. Yeah, the okay, all right, that's, that's, that's good. Um, I think, first of all, what you need to do is know who your, who your market is and where your content is getting hits. What, what are the important pages? Which are the ones that are getting more hits than the other? What are the words people are using to, um, to find your site? And you can get all that information from a, you know Google Analytics. Um, I use a, another tool called Pewik Analytics, which is an open source um, statistics and, and, and numbers, and it tells me everything. It's the same thing as Google, I just prefer it. Um, it tells me where the audience is, the demographics, um, what keywords are searching on, and what pages are hitting. So I'm going to hone in on what is the most important content, and I'm going to exploit it from there. So if I've got an article that's been hit quite a lot, I'm going to then create another article which relates to the first one and just just grow it from there and then look at the stats again and, and see how it goes. And then you look at pages that you think, oh, hey, well, why isn't this page doing so well? Um, I think it's got really good content, but I'm not getting any hits on it. 
look at the article, look at the page, look at the content, the way it's structured. You might need to change your page titles, your images in there, your actual content might be too short or, or too many pictures, too many links on the page and, and try and refine it. Test a few different ways to write the article to test it out and then it's so it's you know ebb and flow it, you just got to keep trying at your content okay so you can actually go back and and you're recommending to go back and tweak your content after you've published it absolutely tweak okay. it um tweak it update it and when you update it republish the date so in, in wordpress for instance um you want, once you publish a page or a post and you choose to update it um you can change the publication date so if you've got more information on the article it makes more sense to update publication date because when I search, I actually search using some of the Google tools to say, show me the results in the last month so or the last year. I don't want to see things that are four years ago. I want to see more recent things. So you can do that when you're searching. So if you change your, your publication dates and people also search by date, you'll, you'll benefit from it. That's that's a cool tip actually, I, and I didn't even think about that. And that's easy to do in WordPress. In the publish box, you can uh, change the the publish date directly there. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I've got a question for you now. I've just been looking at your website, and one of the things that um, that I only learned recently, and you might want to explain this if anyone goes to your website to check it out, is that you've got some uh, a, a lot of traffic coming to there, but there's not a lot of interaction on the social share buttons that you've got. Do you want to explain why there's not much going on right there at the moment? Yeah, what I've done there is I've changed the domain name twice. So I, I had the original domain name, changed it um, to shift direction, and then I changed it again. And by doing that, if you do change domains, you, you can keep all your content, all your, your images and themes, and that all stays in place. And But what, what you do lose, you lose any Facebook likes on each page, and you lose tweets and Google. I think Google Plus is actually stay, but the other two you lose because, it, in effect, it's going to a new URL. Um, right. So that's what happens. That you also lose your page rank from Google as well. Um, so that has to be built up. But what you don't lose is your traffic because if you set up the redirects properly, um, the results in Google, once clicked on, will go to your new domains because your redirects are set up. And it's just a matter of time before you build that social scene back up. Yeah. And and it's also a matter of time before Google then does its page ranks. I think it does it every every quarter of each year. Uh-huh. And it assesses what your page is like and it will rank it from one to ten. And more likely it's you know, it's gonna be not higher than four because that's after four, it's pretty hard to achieve. But um but anything, any kind of rank is, is better than no rank. So that that will happen as well eventually. Yeah, right. Well, that's good to know because uh, I know a few people that wanted to move their domains around and uh, they didn't know about that whole, they've worked hard to make sure that they're sharing on social and they're getting shared around on social. But it's good to know that if it's not there, that word of mouth could affect it could affect a few things. So that's good to know. So um, I, I just have one kind of question here that's probably more personal than anything, but you mentioned earlier that you love Twitter. Now most people, Andrew, and you probably will agree with me on this one, whenever I go speak and I talk to people, the majority of them say, I hate Twitter, or I don't understand Twitter, or why do you use Twitter? I'm really interested into why you think Twitter is the key tool for you, and why do you use it that way? Well, I, you know, I, I used to be in that band camp as well, where I, I thought Twitter was a useless tool, you know, why would you use something like that? Um, 
But then I got into um, TweetDeck, and I do like the fact that you can you can you can set up a bunch of columns, put in a certain keyword, um, and it will just update in front of your eyes. So if there's certain some part of industry that you're interested in, and so you set your columns up to do a search on a certain certain word, it's amazing how quickly news just spreads through Twitter. I mean, I you can get updates on everything and and in fact now I think I learn things more that happen via Twitter than anything else because it is it's like a bushfire it just spreads so fast and and that platform you know you just so many people giving you information um, it's wildfire you know when when uh, when HostGator went down the other day I, I went searching on Google to see if it was you know what the deal was and I couldn't find much but I went straight to Twitter I typed in HostGator and they gave me my answer instantly. Yeah. Um, any, yeah, all sorts of news that I needed to find out on that on, on yeah. that minute. It's all that's why I love Twitter as well. It's, it's, it's funny that, that HostGator experience because I I you know we have a HostGator account and I created a ticket. I logged in. I I did a whole bunch of things. And what I should have done is just gone straight to Twitter because then when I went to Twitter at the end, I got my information immediately. So I kind of wasted 15 minutes, but I could have had it in five seconds. You know, because I thought the server was uh, the technical issue on on our side, but it wasn't. But Twitter gave me that information immediately. It's very instant. You know? Yeah, it is. I mean, I I think I wrote a post um, how Michael Jackson killed Twitter just after he died. If there was that much information going on about Michael Jackson on Twitter, that it nearly, I think it broke. It actually turned, nearly broke Twitter back then in 2009. They weren't ready for the amount of uh, information that was going to be tweeted per second. And uh, it's, uh, but certainly it's a great news source, and uh, that's why I love Twitter. <laughs> so, uh, Neil, do you have any other finishing thoughts that you just want to share in general about the, I would say, the environment of SEO and traffic? I think I think SEO has completely changed. Um, the old ways of manipulating search engines do not work, um, and the way forward is is really content. Uh, everybody says content is king, um, and I. I, I thoroughly believe in that if your content is good if you do your research and, and get your editorial up people will come people will link to it and then I mean because at the end of the day uh, people say SEO is dead it's not really I mean my traffic personally is like 70% of my traffic comes from SEO so <laughs> it shows you that you've got to think differently about it yeah, it's, it's, it's dead the way it used to be it's just changed the way it's done now pretty much that's right yeah and um, what's your website again for those that want to go check it's, it out? It's called coolestguidesontheplanet.com. Coolestguidesontheplanet.com. And Andrew, I have something I want to uh, share as well. Good. Neil, Neil G keeps mentioning our server, and he's mentioning our server because, yes, he is on our team. He's on the autopilot, your business team, and we're really, really lucky to have him. He um, looks after our server. He's a web programmer on our team. and. All of our team members are amazing because they, they do their own stuff online. So like he has his own website. He's constantly testing and improving stuff and bringing it to our mix. He is um, our, he's our secret hosting weapon. He is. And, and, <laughs> and a lot more than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's good to have him on our team. He, he, um, doesn't, he doesn't get out in public much, so we thought we'd bring him out and uh, share the love because... You know, we don't, we don't. He doesn't get out in front of people as much as you and I do. That's for sure. And um, it's always good to hear how how people are really doing this sort of stuff. You know, for their own their own their own business too. So 
Hey, thanks for coming on, Neil. Really appreciate you uh, sharing that information today. It's been great, and I'm sure our listeners got some great things out of it today too. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for inviting me. It's uh, I've had a good time. Thanks for being here. Hey, hey guys, where, where do they go and get the where do they go and get the information about uh, this podcast? That's exactly what I was going to say. Thanks for beating me to the punch. Now here's where you go: autopilotyourbusiness.com forward slash podcasts. And once you're in there, hop on over to our latest episode and our show notes. And we have some nice little goodies in there. And you can sign up to uh, stay on top of our, our releases each time we um, release a podcast. We'll, we'll let you guys know. And as always, we'd love to hear what you think. If you have questions or comments about what Neil's talked about today, please drop us a comment on our site or pop on over to iTunes and leave us a um, review. Yay. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Heather. I look forward to our next, uh, next show, whenever that is, in the next week or so. Talk to you <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. Make sure to Thanks. grab our free business automation guide now and get access to other special bonuses. Head on over to aybpodcast.com. All passengers and cabin crew should now be seated with their seatbelts Ladies and gentlemen, this is the first officer speaking. On behalf of your captains, Andrew McCauley and Heather Porter, we would like to thank you for taking the journey with us to autopilot your business. You are now closer to putting your own business on autopilot using the internet. Of course, if you would like to rack up some frequent flyer points, visit our website, www.autopilotyourbusiness.com, or check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash autopilotyourbusiness. These frequent flyer points are totally useless, but the information is gold. Until we fly again, happy travels.